0: All right, my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast, amazing episode for you this week. Five things you can do to give a better patient experience. These are all things you control and you can do tomorrow. Listen to them. You need to hear it. A little office talk, closing thought of the episode. This is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist, and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, my friends, the ultimate OD podcast. If you're listening to this, make sure you like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Give us a five-star review. Rate us on Apple, iTunes, whatever you're listening to us on Spotify. We appreciate that. It helps us grow. So, Today, I wanna to start with a story, okay? So imagine it's Monday, you know, you're listening to this on Thursday, you go through the weekend, you get all refreshed, had a great weekend, spend time with family, uh, just recharge the batteries, Monday morning you come in, and you walk into the exam room, and you just nail it. I mean, you connect with the patient, You answer all their questions. You give amazing analogies that they understand. It all makes sense, all right? You're thorough, cross every T, dot every I. The patient has complete and utter confidence in you. You are the best doctor they've ever seen, and they're going to tell all their friends about you, all right? That's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. That happens. Now, after you did that, I want you to take a step back and think. How long did it take for you to give that exam? Was it longer than you normally take? Was it shorter? Where did it come from? Was it because you're refreshed or you just, you had that energy, right? All right. And speaking of energy, how much energy did that exam take from you, right? Was it to give that experience, to give that patient that attention, that expertise, it wears on you. To be on all the time, that's one of the biggest things I noticed when I was training at the Cheyenne Vision Clinic during my rotations, and as I go through private practice, it is hard to be at that level every exam, all right? So how much energy did that take? Now the question is, can you do it again? And can you do it at that level every day for the next 35 to 40 years? These are legitimate questions, right? Because that's what every patient expects, they come in, they want Dr. Lilly, they gave that five-star exam. The people that they tell about you that are coming in have that level of expectation. And in all reality, you have to realize this is what we do. As a private practice doctor, if you're listening to this, you know that we're different. All right. If you're in a referral clinic, if you're in a medical-based office, uh, ophthalmology, right? We're sending patients to them. If you go to a retinal specialist, corneal specialist, what's the MO for them? Yeah, they're really good at what they do. Realize you're going to wait. It's going to take a while to get in there. And they may spend, you know, 5, 10 minutes with you. But they're good at what they do, right? They're the people I'd see if I had an issue. That's what we tell our patients, right? Can we get away with that? Not if you want to grow, not if you want to be successful, right? You have to have some kind of moat, some kind of real extreme niche to be able to treat a patient like that and expect them to keep coming back to you and accept it, right? So as I talk about this, what I'm going to try and just give you a a perspective on what I, I want to talk about tonight is five ways to give the patient a better experience, okay? We all know what that looks like. We've done it, but are we doing it consistently? Are we committing to it? Because in everything that we do, as we try to grow, as we try to expand, as we get better as doctors, we need to protect that patient experience at all costs. I don't care if you're adding new technology, if you're adding um, a new flow, new text, trying new things, you have to protect that patient experience. You're lucky if they have one bad experience and they come back to you. We're in a world now of choice right we can get our stuff on amazon we can get it online online exams are coming if they're going to come and see you they have to get that five star experience every time so you have to protect that at all costs i am i have an intern that's uh from grand valley she's a senior this year and One of the things that I'm doing is I'm making my syllabus for her to go through this year is outlining the different aspects of the business of optometry. You have your optical, you have your clinical care. One of them is back end, right? The back end stuff. And for the description of that, I solely put, do what you promise you'll do. All right? If you say their appointment is at 10 o'clock, they better get in at 10 o'clock. If you say they're going to get their glasses in five to seven business days, are they going to get them in five to seven business days? You have a quality, you don't go below. Do you stand by that? How many times do you say this? How many times do you make appointments and you don't really be- follow through on that? Or you don't believe it. Yeah, 515, but I started them at 525. That's okay. I mean, that's that's good enough, right? Do you really mean what you say? I think one of the biggest things that you can do as a doctor, and this is as a you know, clinician, as a boss, as a private practice owner is following through with what you say. All right. So make sure that you do what you say. You give that patient the most amazing experience possible. That's probably the most important thing. Now, if that's number one, one double A is protecting your mental health and well-being. Okay. You know, it takes a lot of time effort and energy to run a business, to be up to date on all your clinical care, to give that patient in your chair the best possible exam, all your attention. It's not like you don't have a life outside of the office, right? You have requirements from your spouse. Your kids have things going on. They have issues. They have problems. Your parents, what are they going through? Are they healthy? Do they need your help? Do you have a big trip planned? Is your staff not pulling their weight? These are things that we battle all the the time. So what I'm saying is, are you able to give that five-star exam, do it every day, and stay sane over the next 40 years? Or are you spreading yourself so thin? Are you giving so much energy that after a week, month, year, you are just burned out? You're sick of the profession. You want out of it. You're not going to be able to continue this think about that if that's the case are is the process you're doing worthwhile is it worth it you know no amount of money prestige is worth you burning yourself out dreading going to work on monday or not looking forward to the interaction with the patient you have to make sure that you are protecting your mental health your sanity all the time all right so that means that you have to give yourself the tools and resources to be the best you need to be. Guess what, my friends? This means you might have to sacrifice money. What does that mean? Well, for you to do what you need to do, think about it to give that exam, and I've been committed hardcore to giving that experience, I had to staff at a high level. Staff costs money, staff costs time and energy to keep them motivated, keep them trained, and have things for them to do. But for me to Just devote everything I have to the patient in the exam chair. I need a staff that can pull their own weight. The other thing is, you have to know how you can schedule, right? Like if you can see a patient every 10 minutes, but you wear yourself in at the end of the week, you literally are just, you know, drag me out of here on a stretcher. I'm done, right? Is that worth it? If you see a patient every 30 minutes, you give a better experience to that patient, but now you're not seeing as many patients. Is that worth it, okay? These are the things that I want to discuss today, and I think there's five things you can do to make sure you protect your mental health and you give that amazing experience to your patients, and that's what we're going to talk about now. All right, so we know what we want to do. We know what the objective is. How do you do this? All right, there's five things I think you need to do. Number one, know yourself, all right? You need to be able to look yourself in the mirror and give an honest self-evaluation, Of what you want and what you can do all right number one what can you do how many patients can you see in an hour and maintain that level of energy to give them what they need to give them that five-star experience right that also has to jive with the amount of staff you have and still being profitable because if you saw one patient an hour I guarantee you could just sell out and give an amazing experience, take as much time as they want. They can ask all kinds of questions, but is that going to be how you run a business? Absolutely not, okay? Do you double book certain things? Do you give your staff the ability to schedule Do they structure, okay? You need to know what you can see to maintain that level and make that hard and fast, okay? Make your schedule template very firm, All right. Your staff needs to know that because if they're putting things in there or scheduling the wrong way, it's going to throw you off completely. This matters when you're scheduling kids, certain types of insurances, red eyes, medical testing appointments like glaucoma checks and such. You need to schedule efficiently. So you need to take the time and set that up, convey that to your office and know that's in stone. All right. The next thing is, what do you want to see? You know, if you're not good at giving exams to kids and no matter how hard you try you have an issue giving that time effort and energy or getting them to cooperate and it throws you off and you just you're you're done the rest of the day after dealing with a kid exam does that mean you don't do them i think you really need to consider that you need to know where you stand and what you're good at Because if you like what you're doing, if you're good at what you're doing, that will radiate throughout the day. That'll give your staff energy, right? If you come out and you're in a bad mood or it throws you off schedule and you're behind and everyone feels that, no one's going to function at their optimal level. So take a good look at what you want to do, what you can do, and make it as profitable as you can and still give that attention to the patient. That's number one. Number two, all right, this is hard. This is very hard. You need to delegate as much as you possibly can, all right? Now, when I'm doing this, and I, I've, I've really worked hard this past year to give as much time, effort, and attention to patients, okay? I'm having my best year ever, and I'm seeing more patients, more profitable, and I'm delegating more than I ever have in the past, all right? One, I have a really good team, okay, they can do more, but two, I prepare like I never have before. I'm looking at the schedule more in-depthly and knowing what I want to do, what I need from each patient encounter. So I'm telling my staff, we're having a morning huddle, exactly what I want for each patient. They also know my expectation. And one of that is making sure that they Get the patient to me as quick as they possibly can. All right. We've cut out a lot of the redundancy, a lot of the fat, and they're spending more time with me. I get a survey from every patient that comes in. Again, how many people actually send it there? There's a high and low. But when I sent this out, I used to get dinged if I did for anything of not spending enough time with the patient. I've made a conscious effort to be in that exam room, to be present with that patient and give them everything I possibly have to explain everything as thoroughly as I possibly can. And my, my scores have been higher than they've ever been consistently. Okay. It's working and my staff feels like they have more control over what they're doing. Okay. So like I said, I've never been more removed, but the patient experience is better. That should mean something to you. Okay? This can happen in your office. What you need to do is realize that you're in charge during the day of patient care. All right? You have to take care of the patient. Outside of that time, you know, before clinic hours, out after clinic hours, or if you set time aside on Thursday mornings from open till about 10:30, I have nothing scheduled so I can work on the office, work on staffing, work on whatever I need to do for marketing. Get everything in place, right? But you don't do that in the middle of the day. If there's someone coming in with issues or problems, you cannot have that eating up your time and energy, right? Every ounce of energy you have needs to go with that patient and that exam chair. So give your staff the best possible thing you can give them, and that's power to make a person happy, the power to make a difference. If they constantly have to run things by you, you're going to wear yourself out, They're not going to feel powerful. It's going to ruin the whole experience for the patient and your staff. Okay. Now, the question that I get when I talk about this to other colleagues is, but I'm going to lose control of my office. No, you're not. That's where you have to have systems in place where you get reports. What matters to you? Do you want to know about insurance problems, jobs that are out, uh, how many new patients you're seeing? You know what you want to know, right? So what I've done is I have my my hierarchy. If you look at past episodes, we talked about setting up the organizational chart. So my two optical manager, my front desk manager, talk to my office manager, right? So they have to give reports to my office manager. And once a week, my office manager sends me a one-page report of everything going on in the office. So now I have a tab on everything. Two, my office manager is getting feedback from her people working under her and there's checks and balances all over the place. We're more efficient. Everyone's getting feedback and communicating. I saw the hand in everything in a sense, but I'm focusing on what matters. I think this is the most important thing to growing your office is really realizing where your time makes the biggest impact. One, in patient care. Two, in the big... CEO mindset, right? If you focus on the trees every day, you're going to lose the forest. That'll be bad for you. All right. So know yourself, delegate as much as you possibly can. Number three, maximizing and optimizing that time you have with the patient. Now I kind of alluded to this before, but how efficient are you? Okay. When they come in and they get checked in, are they sitting and waiting? You have enough staff. So the moment they come in, they're getting checked in and they're Instantly going to work up, or is there a delay because you don't have enough staff? They're already all doing other things that they have to wait ten minutes, even though they're there on time. Ten minutes before they even get checked in, and then when they do get checked in and they do their workup, how much redundancy is there in your exam? And the biggest thing that I see is the stinking case history and medical history. Right? How many times do you go to an office and you answer all these questions? Right now with COVID, when I go in, I answer all this stuff on a survey they send me via email and then I come in and they ask me the same stinking questions, the nurse does, and then I go see the doctor and what does he do? Ask me the questions again. I'm pulling my freaking hair out of my head. Why did I take time to answer these things? Why do I always answer them and no one even listens? To do you even write it down? I know we have to do stuff and check boxes, but can you make it more efficient? How many tests are you doing that you don't use at all? Okay, so when I worked at the Cheyenne Vision Clinic, this is when I was just a student, they did a million things on a workup. It was an amazing work exam, right? But I looked at the doctors and I said, you know, you could probably be more efficient if you stopped doing these tests or got them to your exam room a little quicker. And he looked at me in the face and he said, yeah, probably, but... We charge X amount for our exam. This gives value to it, which is very true. I like that it gives value. But realize that your time face-to-face with the patient has value. And two, if that's the case, who said if you're not going to look at them, if it's not necessary to do for the actual exam that you're doing, why don't you do it after you've seen the patient? All right. So you're still doing all the tests. They're getting all this stuff done. The order doesn't necessarily matter right? You can tell them, all right, your eyes look great. I'm going to have them do a couple additional tests. I just want to make sure that this hasn't changed or whatnot. You can sell it in any way you need to, right? You can still give value by doing those tests that no one else does. But if you get them to you as efficiently as possible, you're maximizing that time that they're with you. And believe it or not, face-to-face time with you is what they want. So find the redundancies, get rid of them and maximize your time with the patient. All right, my friends, number four. All right, remember there's five things. Number four, I think is the most important thing. Why am I leaving it for number four instead of number five? You'll see. But if I had to say that I have a superpower or there's something that makes me more successful than my peers or other people around me, why I'm good at optometry and why you're probably good at optometry, right? Is this fact that I can deal in the mundane and redundant All the time. I mean, I thrive in this, right? Consistency, redundancy, the same thing, right? What do we do every day? Again, we get a little variety in there, but essentially, we take a look at the health of their eyes, we refract them, and we go on, right? I have the same conversations all the time. I make the same jokes, same thing, okay? Now, why is this a superpower? Because one of my best friends who runs a roofing company can't sit at a desk for more than five minutes without going sir crazy, right? I literally go to the same office, go to the same exam room, do the same thing every day. And I thrive in it. I love it. It's, it really is comforting to me. And I'm on autopilot half the time. Okay. Now this is how you can give that five-star experience and not wear yourself out. You have to find a flow Find a routine that works for you and still customize it to the patient. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm doing the same thing, asking the same questions, but I adapt to every patient in the chair. You know, if they're high energy, I'm high energy. If they're, you know, kind of down on this, I'm down on that too. I am a chameleon. I mimic what they need and give them what they want. I can pull out what they're looking for and give them an answer, but realize that I have the same analogies, the same routine, in a sense, like I'm going through it in the same order. Okay. So that makes me really efficient. Think about how you're explaining dry eye or when you're done doing your ocular health exam, I start with the same thing. I talk about the lids and lashes, cornea, lens, optic nerve, macula, and then go from there. Right. I say the same things And then I'm customizing it to them. But because I go in the same order, I'm incredibly efficient. I just hit autopilot and I can go. You have to find a routine and stick to it. Now, for example, I've added some new things. I used to give him a little handout about uh, macular degeneration. I've revised that and made it about just general eye health. A couple of the same things. It took me about a week to now have that spiel down. But now that I have it down, I can fly through it, right? I already know the questions they're going to ask or what's on that card. You have to adapt and go, but make sure you have your routine. And then, like I just said, have pre-printed things of the things you talk about most. My my and gland dysfunction. What is glaucoma? Warm compresses and lid scrubs. If you have these pre-packaged things, you can give them the handout, talk about it briefly, And then go from there. If they have more questions, they have the handout. Or you can train your staff to go over it more thoroughly, more in-depthly. But they're going to get what they need from you, okay? At the end of the day, why I think a lot of patients have issues is they have a question, they forget to ask, and they're like, dang it, I'm not going to be able to talk to this guy for another year. Something extra that you need to do is let them know if you have any questions, any concerns, I'm always here for you. Send me an email, call the office. I will get back to you and follow through. I kid you not. One of the best pediatric ophthalmologists in my office or in my area that I send people to all the time, I sent my daughter to him. He's great. I love him. Call us on Monday. Let us know how your daughter's doing and we'll tell you what we think we want you to do. Save you an office visit. That's awesome, right? We appreciate that he's like, just let me know. You're not going to have a copay and we'll, we'll take care of it. Called them on Monday. A week later, we still haven't heard from them. How does that make you feel? Okay. We call the allergist all the time, leave a message, and it takes two to three weeks to get a call back. How does that make you feel? Right. You've been the patient in this situation. What do you think sticks out? The fact that you say you'll be there or you actually give them a call back? I do this all the time, my friends. They give me, my staff will give me a patient name or a complaint And I'll either pick up the phone or I'll call them when we're done with the day. It does not take that much time and you get so much street cred with the patient. You have to find a way to follow through. If you're not following through, tell your staff, have them call for you. If they need a further explanation, this might take a list of 10 patients down to two patients that you got to call. But you have got to follow through. Do not take it for granted that you are so good that they're just going to come back to you because... You're the best they've ever seen. You're not that good, okay? Part of the reason why people keep coming to see me is because I follow through. I keep doing what I'm saying. I constantly am of the mindset that if I don't come through for them, they'll find someone else that will. That's just the nature of the world we live in. Think about when you go to get an oil change. You see a mechanic. You go to a restaurant. They don't follow through. There's a million other places to go right down the road, and that's how our mind operates, why do you think you're any different? Okay. So make sure you harness that power of being able to work in the mundane, the routine, the consistent nature of what optometry is. Use that to your advantage. All right. Now, number five is kind of the home run, the last thing I'll leave you with. And that's you have to be able to adapt and adjust to the season that you're in. Okay. I get we like routine. We like consistency. We want to give the same experience to every patient that comes in. You want to have your template down. You see a patient every 15 minutes, every 30 minutes, whatever works for you. But realize seasons change. Staffing will change. You'll have a really experienced staff or you'll have a lot of turnover and you have to start over. You need to adapt and adjust to the season that you're in. Whether you just had a new child and you aren't getting as much sleep or all your kids are now in high school and they're, you know, taking care of themselves and you can see more, adapt and adjust. Don't be afraid to do what you have to do to survive the season that you're in. Too often we do things the way we have always done them because that's how we've always done them. Realize what's good for you now might not be good for you in three months. That's fine. You need to create a con- culture in your office where if you make a change, your staff just adapts and goes with it. That takes leadership. You have to make them know that you are doing this to give them the best possible work environment, to give them as many patients as you possibly can without overwhelming them, to adapt and adjust. They appreciate if they know the why. If you're just changing willy nilly for no reason, they're going to go crazy because they like routine as well. So talk to your staff, see what they need, look yourself in the mirror. These things will make your patient experience that much better. Your office will grow. This is what you need to do. That's what I have for you this week. <music> Are right, my friends a little office talk. So this week I sat my staff down this is three weeks coming, right? So I talked to my office manager, hey, what are we going to evaluate our staff on? Evaluate the staff. Let's meet over this. And now that we've done that, let's put this all in a form that we can hand to them. Because obviously when me and my office manager are talking about some of the things, we're going to have a conversation that we're not necessarily going to share directly with the staff, right? We want to make it look a little prettier, make them feel a little bit better about what we're saying or Put it in more of a positive light where me and my office manager can just kind of say, yeah, this isn't going well or I don't know if they're ever going to be great at this. This is an issue and we, we can have that conversation. But I will tell you this. This is something that needs to be done. One, because your staff needs to know that there's an open line of communication. That if they have an issue, if there's something going on, they can talk to you and you've set this up quarterly or whenever you do meet with them that, hey, we'll talk you have an issue, let's let's hone it out. And then two, where do you see them going? What do you want them to do? What are they doing well? Where do you think they can improve? And most people don't want feedback. They say they want feedback, but they want to hear what they're doing well. They don't want to hear what they're doing wrong. However, if you make a point of conveying it to them in a way that this is where you are, I want you to do this because in the big picture scheme, this is what I want you to do. You'll be surprised at the results you get. And if you don't get better results, is that person the right person for your team? Honestly, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Either they're a sailor or an anchor. They're going to help you get there. or They're going to hold you back. And if they're going to hold you back, it's better that you cut bait now and find someone that can do what you need them to do. Legacy costs will kill you. Have this conversation, but give them carrots that they can pursue and go after. Whenever I do this, I'm always amazed at the energy that they have because they have a purpose that they're working for. You know what you're working for as the office. You have that big picture. Do they know what they're working for? Individually, how are you going to reward them? How are you going to fulfill them? And also, there's a time or two where you talk to a staff member and you ask, you know, do you want more? Are you completely happy and content where you are? Because sometimes that's perfect too. If they like where they're at and they don't need more, that can help you develop other people that want to do a little bit more and it balances things out. So without having those conversations, you're never going to know what your office needs and you're not going to grow and develop the way I think you need to to be the office that is always moving forward, not getting stuck in the mud, getting passed by everyone on the outside. Next thing I don't know if I told you in the last episode or whatnot, but I do have a student intern from Grand Valley and it's been a blast. Uh, If you want to know how far you've come as a student, an optometrist, talk to a student right now and you realize the conversation you're having with them, you at one point thought that, you know, where am I going to work? Am I going to be able to do this? Will I know a retinal attachment when I see one? Will I know, uh, herpetic infection when it's there? Am I going to put the wrong drop on that? Or am I even going to like optometry? Can I run a business? Do I like doing this? It's really refreshing and you'd be surprised. Someone that wants to go to optometry school, any conversation you have is appreciated. So many people just kind of look past the students and take them for granted or don't give them just a five-minute conversation. That five-minute conversation could be Change their lives. That's cool. You have that power. People look up to you and want to know what you do. You want to get juice in what you're doing? Have someone look at you and say, I just want to do what you're doing. Kind of a perspective changer there, isn't it? Like you forget how hard you work to get where you are. That's amazing. So by doing that too, I'm just pumped up. I want to teach her as much as I can. Um, And as you go through and think about what are you are going to teach your intern, you realize that everything you're going to teach them, there's nuggets in there that are going to help your staff. It's going to help you train them and you will know what's important. So if you haven't done it, I recommend that you get students in there, even if it's not an intern over a semester, have a pre-optometry club come in, have them ask questions, give them feedback. It's really great for us to give back to the profession, but it helps you personally realize how far you've come. And I think that's part of the mental health aspect of this is knowing that we are the lucky ones. It may not seem like it every day, but we're the few and far between. So many of our colleagues right now would love to be in our positions, owning a practice, having the problems that we have every day. So that's Office Talk. We'll have more for you next week. Where or where did the time go? Where did the closing thought of the episode. And we'll end this one on more of a uh, lighter note, just something that uh, I heard the other day and it's kind of, kind of funny, also kind of gives me a sense of, uh, I better keep pushing hard because right now the office is doing amazing. We're growing like never before. And I saw this graph and it said the life cycle of a turkey. All right. And if you look at it, when you start down on the X, Y axis, lower left, left-hand corner, it starts going and going and going. And you'll see that the happiest day of a turkey's life is the day right before it dies, right? Like it's um little baby turkey, and then I keep getting fed, fed, fed. This is good. I get so much food. I'm growing huge. Life's amazing. Bam. Thanksgiving hits. Turkey's head comes off. You're done, right? And why do I bring this up? Why do I want to know about the life cycle of a turkey? Well, don't get it twisted that tomorrow's another day and that just because you had success today means tomorrow's going to give you the same outcome, right? This is why I talked about that five-star patient experience, why I'm constantly pushing to improve, why we have this podcast, why you listen to me every week is we know you're getting better. Or you're getting worse. You're never staying the same. Push the envelope to continually get better. Otherwise, someone's going to come from the outside, corporate, another private practice owner, and they're going to come into your neck of the woods, find out you're lazy and complacent, and boom, it's Thanksgiving. You're done. Turkey's on the dinner table and someone else is having the good life, right? That's what I got. Dr. Lily. out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.